Um, so thank you for the opportunity to be able to be here and to bring the word this evening. Um, I think as many of you know, um, Aaron and I have been attending here for a little over 20 years. Um, it, at the time, but just over 20 years ago, we, we were looking for a church. We needed a new church home, and we weren't sure where to go. And we tried a lot of different churches, attended some different congregations, and at the time, Aaron was actually working with Sister Glennis Hill. And she was at, at her work that day, and Brother Jim Hill came into their school and was, you know, talking, talking about it. Aaron was sharing about the need to find a new church home. And Brother Jim had uh, Brother Doug's business card, Abundant Grace Fellowship business card, and said, here you go, you should come. And we did. That very next Sunday, we went and we attended. And, you know, first of, first of all, you got to walk in the front door. And I think it was Brother, Brother Bob Blackwood right there at the front door, big smile, big handshake, you know, welcomed us in. Um, within the first several weeks, uh, we attended one of the Saturdays, helping Brother Virgil down in the basement, assembling the tracks to be able to send to Paraguay to share God's word. And it, it just, it really, it brought us in. We, we felt like this, this was home. It was each and every one of you and your smiling faces and be able to share that word together. Um, but most of all, it was in the actual messages, in the sermons, um, Brother Doug's preaching, Brother Freestone over the years, Brother Virgil, and it, it was the fact that we had that opportunity to hear God's word and, and to really to take in God's word, and not just from the pulpit, but that every one of you in the congregation valuing God's word. The main thing that I think we noticed that was different and was unique about Abundant Grace from so many of the other places we attended is how many of you all have your own Bibles, whether it's the paper Bible, the iPads, and we have it with uh, with them and to be able to read those verses and to follow along and that we value God's word. Um, when I was growing up, there was a, a church down south of here, big, beautiful church. We actually drove by it last weekend and it, it was neat to see and it had a coffee bar and I, I enjoy coffee, you know. So it, if I was going to choose a church based on coffee, that would probably be the church I would be at. But it, that, that other church, you know, the pastor would get up, would usually read one or two verses, and then, you know, 15, 20 minutes kind of talking and sharing about those verses. It, it was still the Word of God. I'm thankful for those lessons. But sometimes, as I was growing up, I would find I would sit in the back and would just kind of read my own Bible and do some, some study on, on my own. So I, I've just been so thankful for these last 20 years um, to be able to be here and to be among people who value God's Word and... Uh, so th thank you really for that. And really, that, that's where here we are. This is the verse that Brother Doug has as kind of our, our default screen. It's behind us each and every day. So if you want to start tonight by turning, or you can just read it because it's right there, Psalm 119. But it's, I rejoice that your word is one who finds great treasure. And I think it's something that Aaron and I feel that we, we have found um, great treasure in God's word, and we're very thankful that we are able to be here and be able to raising our daughters here in uh, and among you all who value God's word. So for tonight's verse uh, lesson, I felt led to really speak in Isaiah 55. Um, so if you have an opportunity, please turn to Isaiah 55 with me. I've always loved so many different aspects about Isaiah 55. There's so many beautiful verses about about salvation in it. Um, obviously, at the beginning, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, seek the Lord while he may be found. That there's a longer passage about you know God speaking for my thoughts are not your thoughts, and um, it goes into that. And then one as a Colorado um, 
for my whole life, love hiking, love being in the mountains. The mountains and hills shall break forth into singing before you. And that, that one just reminded me, several years ago, um, Aaron was up in the mountains running a race, so I was taking care of Avery and Reese. They were substantially shorter at the time. Uh, but we were up near Aspen, so we actually went up to the Maroon Bells. And you, you ride a little shuttle bus, and you get off the bus, and walking up there with Avery and Reese, and just the mounts, I mean, just to see it and be in front of it, 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 was, it was truly, it was amazing. And they, you know, without actual singing, it, it makes your, your heart sing. And that, that's the way the Word of God can make us feel sometimes. But for tonight's lesson, I just want to kind of zoom in and focus on Isaiah 55, specifically verses 10 and 11. And that is, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word go forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. In, in the original Hebrew of this, um, the word void, that, is, that really is the word that stuck, stood out to me. It means it, it's empty. It's without fruit. Um, it, it's unfruitful. It, it's like a, a harvest that, that doesn't produce anything. Um, at the beginning of the passage, talking about the rain and the snow, it, it's if you were to water all these crops and then the crops didn't grow. They, they didn't produce anything. But specifically this verse, this Isaiah 55, 10, 11, I remember reading it. It was probably 10 or 15 years ago. And it stood out to me in a different way. And what I love about the Word of God is that each one of us, with all of our experience, whether we're old, whether we're young, um, whatever our life experience, we bring that into it, and the Word of God is able to bring bring that out in us. And obviously, I've worked with computers for a long time. So 10 or 15 years ago, I was reading it, and as I read, um, it shall not return to me void. It was a computer programming uh, meaning that kind of spoke to me in that. So for those of you that that don't know me, um, I I have worked professionally with computers and technology for about a quarter of a century. Um, My first job fixing computers uh, was at an old store, no longer exists, called CompUSA, and it's because people just order everything from Amazon or BestBuy.com. But back then, this was the late 20th century, um, Steve Jobs had invented the bubble iMacs. They they were these big, colorful, round iMacs, uh, Bondi blue, and there was an obnoxious lime green and a tangerine orange. But there was a special promotion at CompUSA where every time someone would buy one of these, they would get a free RAM or memory upgrade. So I spent a lot of, a lot of time in there you know, doing various computer repairs and troubleshooting, um, it, but spent a lot of time with, with computers. So I'm going to talk just a little bit tonight about computer functions and computer programming. The good news is, unlike last week, there will not be a pop quiz. So ho- hopefully, that, hopefully that puts your mind, mind at ease. So again, back late 20th century, I was learning a a programming language called C++. And you don't need to remember all the details about this to understand why not returning void um, in in God's word is hopefully meaningful. Pretty much every computer program, especially those of you with the iPads, the iPhones, they're they're built on computer programs. Um, A human being, a computer programmer, has to manipulate language to tell the computer what to do, to follow a specific set of instructions. And at the time, in C++, I was learning about something called contract-based programming. And we can get into the details, I won't tonight, but about preconditions and postconditions. But the main idea is, is if you give a certain input to the computer, it's going to do something with that function, and it's going to return a specific output. 
And that's really what that precondition and postcondition, it's a promise, it's a contract that whatever you put in, that's what you're going to get out. Uh, a simpler way to kind of think about this would be if there was a big cake baking machine. And if you put in a few eggs and some cake batter or a cake powder, cake mix, uh, I'm not a baker, as you can tell, <laughs> um, probably some vegetable oil, and you put it in, that cake baking machine is like a computer function, and if every time if you put the right ingredients in, you're going to get a, a cake out as the output of that. But the, the main idea is, without getting into the detail, it's, it's a promise, it's a contract, it's a covenant. And, and I'll touch on that covenant idea a little bit later. In actual computer functions, yeah, it's not baking a cake. It's, it's not a real cake. It's going to be simpler things like uh, you pass in two numbers, and the function maybe is to uh, add them together. So if you pass in a 2 and a 2, it's going to add them together, and you're, it's going to return the number 4. Um, or you might pass in a first name and a last name, and it's going to return the full name back to you. So th the idea of this is it's always returning something. But there was a specific type of function that was a void function. It's a function that didn't necessarily return something. And, and it actually had the word void in it. It was a special programming keyword in, in the language, and you would type V-O-I-D that, hey, this is a function. It's going to do, it'll, it'll take care of something, but it's not going to return anything back. There's nothing that will actually come back from that. And, and that's where I want to kind of return to that Isaiah 55, 10, and 11, that that reigns purpose in Isaiah 55, 10 is to water the earth, to bring forth that seed and the flowers, um, uh, the flowers of the field, the food and crops for life. And so shall God's word um, be that it goes forth from his mouth, and it shall not return to him void. And, and that's what really spoke to me as, as that computer programmer, is that God's word does not return void. It is that th there's a precondition and a postcondition in that Here's God's words going forth, and it will always return, and it's going to always fulfill his purpose, and it, there will always be something that it's going to come back with. So tonight, I wanted to talk about the two ways that God's word does not return void. First, of course, is the word of God that we all have in front of us as the Holy Scriptures, whether it's a paper Bible or various iPads or devices, but it is that word of God. And then, of course, the Jesus Christ as the living word of God and how he also did not return void. So if you please turn with me to 2 Timothy. <clears throat> this obviously is a beautiful foundational verse about Scripture as the Word of God. So in 2 Timothy 3, verses 15 through 17, give you a moment. Uh, I have to make sure you have time to turn to it or at least get to it. 2 Timothy 3, verses 15 through 17. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So this is one of the reasons why God's word went forth from his mouth. He wanted to provide this word of God to us as a tool for his purposes, for that instruction, for, for evidence, for rectification or reformation sometimes. And it's something that we can use daily in each and every circumstance. When we're having a difficult day, we're not sure what to rely on or what uh, direction maybe, how, how to make a difficult decision. This is something we can turn to and, and rely on. So if you would kindly turn back to Psalm 119, but early, early on, I believe it's, yeah, verses 9 through 12. 
Um, just a, another verse related to this about how the word of God can, can build us up and it's something we can rely on. So Psalm 119, uh, verses 9 through 12. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. So it's just so comforting to know that um, God's word does, in fact, always accomplish its purpose. And that every time that we turn to the word, that we hide it in our heart, or that we, we take some time. Um, uh, I know Avery uh, was encouraged by one of the Christian groups out at school um, to just take some time and read through one of the Psalms and, and journal about it. And just to take that moment to step away from the world, to step away from the technology sometimes, and spend that time in God's word, how edifying and beautiful that that really can be. And that ultimately is why we should hide the word in our heart and rely on it. And finally, to wrap up um, this first portion, um, please turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 31. And in verses 33 and 34, um, it, it refers to that covenant idea that, that I was talking about. Um, when I was talking about contract-based programming in those you know, preconditions and post-conditions, that really, it's a promise that's made in computer programming between the developer, the person who actually wrote the computer program. Um, they are saying, if you pass in this certain amount of data or this type of data into the function, this is what is always going to come back. And, but on a much more real and much more important level, it was God's promise, first to Israel and then ultimately to us, um, as is said in Jeremiah 31. So in verses 33 and 34, it says, But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord God, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sins I will remember no more. And that then ultimately, the, the sins being forgiven, is what leads us into then that second example, that um, it, it's God's word as Jesus Christ incarnate um, sent for us. Um, we, we won't take time to turn to it, um, but in Titus 2.11, um, it says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And really, this is something that we knew was part of God's purpose and God's plan from the very beginning of time. So we will take a moment to turn back to, to Genesis 1. And I, I promise we, we just finished, I think it was 107 lessons, Brother Doug, in Genesis. So we will not go through all of Genesis again. It'll be just one short passage here from Genesis 1. So in Genesis 1, verses 1 through 3, it said, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Now you'll notice in this verse is again the word void. It's a slightly different word in the Hebrew in Strong's Concordance. It still means empty, but it's a vacuity. It's an undistinguishable ruin. It's utter emptiness or waste because this was before the creation. It truly, it was nothingness. But even at that time, God had a purpose and God had a plan in this. And that is where Jesus Christ really enters then as we are given this New Testament lens on it in the first chapter of John. So if you turn with me to John chapter 1, 
And in verses 1 through 4 of John chapter 1, it's again talking about the beginning, the creation. But it's, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So there was Jesus Christ at the foundation of the world, the literal word of God um, made flesh. He was Emmanuel, which which meant God with us. And that is ultimately the reason um, why God God came into the world. It was part of... um, God's plan and God's purpose that he would send forth his word and it would prosper and it would accomplish his purposes. And if you turn over just a couple of pages in John, it's John chapter 3, John chapter 316 is one we probably don't have to read. I'm going to read it anyway. I'm guessing most of you could probably quote it. Um, but, but this is God's reason. This is the, the purpose for which he sent Jesus Christ as the living word of God. So in John 316, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And what, what I appreciate about this one is, obviously it's one that, that we all know, we all have memorized and kind of hidden in our hearts, but it's one that you see out in the world. And we all know what a struggle the world is um, at times, but to know that pretty much everyone in the world has that opportunity to at least see or at least be aware of this promise, of this gift of salvation, um, I was actually picking up a prescription the other day at the pharmacy, and the pharmacist had tattooed on her fingers. So it, it was on each of the digits, but it was J-O-H-N-3-1-6. And as she's sitting there, you know, typing on the keyboard, it, it, there it is, and I noticed it. And I thought to myself, I wonder how many, you know, tens, maybe over 100 people she probably serves each day at that pharmacy that are seeing, there's John 3.16 right there. And, you know, it's small. I personally would probably not choose to get a tattoo in that fashion, but it was whatever she felt led to do, and it's something that, you know, she she is sharing our way to do that. Um, and, you know, I mentioned, you know, Bronco Bob earlier. I have to at least make one reference to the Denver Broncos. Um, there was a quarterback for the Broncos a little over 10 years ago named Tim Tebow. He, he became very famous. Um, he was a Heisman Trophy winner for the Florida Gators. Um, but all football players sometimes will wear the eye black, the little bit of black paint under their eyes. Um, it helps with some of the stadium lights. And he would write verses sometimes on the eye black under his eyes. And it was uh, January 8th of 2009, and the Florida Gators were playing against the Oklahoma Sooners. It was the BCS championship game. So this is the main national championship. And he chose to write John 3.16 on his eye black. And there were several times where, you know, would zoom in on the quarterback, and you could see it very, very clearly. And they ended up going on to win. They won the national championship that year. Um, and it was before a record crowd. 78,468 people were there in that stadium. But even more so, tens of millions of people were, were on the game. And I remember actually reading in the news and some of the, the technology articles the next day, Google actually tracked, there was a record spike in millions of people searching for John 3.16, both during the game and in the time after that. And then, as some of you know, Tebow did go on to play after graduating from college at Florida. He played for the Denver Broncos. The NFL was a little bit different. They had a rule that you were not allowed to write messages on the eye black. I think there was one game against Sam's, uh, Brother Sam's Oakland Raiders where he, he had something on his armband, uh, but, but definitely not on, on the eye black. Um, Ironically, or amazing as it is, um, exactly three years later, so January 8th of 2012, 
we were all gathered. I remember it vividly. Um, the Broncos were in a, a playoff game, a wild card game against the Steelers, and it was going into overtime. We were all at Abundant Grace, ready to start the evening service, and the game, the game was going into overtime. <laughs> so uh, we, we turned off all of our screens, our football on our phone, and, and went in. And I, I think that that evening, one of the, the songs that we actually sang was Faith, Faith is the Victory. And obviously far more important than the Broncos' victory. Um, but while we were there, while we were gathered and singing, um, Tim Tebow did actually throw a touchdown to Demarius Thomas um, to win that. And amazingly, on that walk-off touchdown play, it brought him up to exactly 316 yards, which there's no way you could have planned that or scripted that. But this is something that ESPN, I think people like Adam Schefter and stuff, were writing about and calling attention to um, in, in the days after that. So it's, it's just neat to see all of the different ways that, that God's purpose can be made known and be clear and apparent before all mankind that ultimately it is that gift of salvation, and it's something that everyone should be aware of, and then ultimately it's upon each heart to be able to hopefully accept that gift. And hopefully it's something that we all can share share that light and call attention to as well. Um, so really bring it back to what we had read earlier in Isaiah. Um, when God is speaking to the people of Israel, and this is back in that Isaiah 55, 10 and 11, so shall my word go forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall, it shall prosper in this thing for which I sent it. So how is it that Jesus Christ, as that incarnate word, did, did not return void? How did he, Jesus Christ, actually accomplish God's will? It, it, it was not easy. It was not without struggle and was not without um, a great deal of pain and of suffering. And we see this in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, in Luke 22, you, you don't have to turn to it. I'll do this one very quickly. Um, but in Luke 22, Jesus actually said, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And I, I think even one of the songs that we sang tonight is in the center of God's will. And it's just an important reminder to us that Jesus set that example for us about accepting the Father's will. And it's something that we need to seek ourselves and make sure that we are grounded in, that we should yield to God's word and God's will, just as Christ yielded to God the Father's will in the garden, um, and ultimately to going to the cross and being crucified. And that, that's really where we'll kind of close it tonight. If you would just take a moment, please, to turn to John 19. Um, th- this is how God accomplished that purpose. Um, it, it was when Jesus took on all those sins of mankind to purchase that salvation for us. So in John 19, um, verses 28 through 30, this is after Jesus had been tortured. He was being crucified on the cross. And at the very end of this, in John 19, it says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. And really, that, that is why I'm thankful that God's word does not return void, like, like some of those computer programs, but that it is very real, and it is very effective, and it accomplishes that exact purpose that he intended from the very creation of the world up until each moment in which every believer accepts God, that they, they're able to receive that gift of life because of God as, or because of Jesus as the word of God fulfilling ultimately that purpose. 
Um, and then beyond just that gift of eternal life that now then now we also have a foundation that, that we can build on. And if we take the time to spend time in God's word, um, there's, there's so many deeper spiritual truths and so much more we can do um, and we can lead and hopefully share with others. Um, that is all I have for tonight. Thank you so much for this opportunity.